Okay, I hope I remember where we're going with this, but I think I do. Wasn't we'll just see ago. where the journey takes us. Do you Ooh, need me to let idea. him out? No, no, no. I have an idea. Go ahead. Ooh, okay. Hello, welcome to Living Box Free. I'm Becky Ford. And I'm Ashley Insights. Today we're going to talk about language. Good language. Bad Good, language. Bad. <laughs> yes, honest and clear communication is key to success at work and in relationships. But we also don't want to be jerks or come off as being a jerk, Mm-mm. which means that we sometimes try to downplay or be less intense with how we speak. And today we're going to talk about that and what we call minimizing language, something that actually, the way we came up with this podcast, I told Ash, I go, uh, someone told me I was using minimizing language. (laughs) We need to research this. We need to dive in. And here we are. Know what to do about it. (laughs) Know what to do. So we're going to all, since this sprung up as some self-awareness, we're all going to become more self-aware about the language we use. Yes. First, what's on the rise for you this week, Ash? Whew. Well, my best friend is getting married in May. Woohoo! And we've started the, you know, a little late. <laughs> we've started the like bridal shower, bachelorette, those kinds of plans. And yeah, I, I seem to be sort of in charge, but I've started calling the other bridesmaids and been like, okay. I need some help. (laughs) Welcome to being the maid of honor. Yeah, Yeah, it's delightful. (laughs) Yes. You're like, if I book this Airbnb, will you guys all show up? Exactly. Will you book plane tickets? Where are you going? Will you pay me? Um, Springfield, Massachusetts. Ooh. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, Very close to Vegas. It's like the second hot spot, right? Basically, (laughs) yeah. Well, she's getting married in Springfield, and most Mm. of us can't make another trip. Mm-hmm. So I don't know about the bridal shower. We still have to sort that out. But the actual bachelorette, I think, will be like the night before. Yeah. Because we don't have time. We got to we gotta cram it all in. That'll be so, fun. Yeah. It will be very fun once I get there yes. and get to celebrate with her. But I feel like the weeks leading up to it, I'm like, <laughs> yep. so many details. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, what, what's on the rise for you? Nothing like event planning in your personal yeah, life. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Uh, what's on the rise for me today? Taco costumes. Mm-hmm. I just, today's the last day of our open workout. <laughs> Taco costumes. Yeah. I know we talked about the CrossFit Open on our Whoop podcast last. Uh, we had, so we have teams. My team mm-hmm. is called, actually, Ash, we just put you on our team. You, d- you did? <laughs> You're on our team. Oh, I didn't know I was on a team. Well, you are now. Okay. <laughs> Made for tacos. That's our team. And our team captain dropped off. We have multiple taco costumes costumes yeah i did a muscle up in one ash got a video of me yes you know follow us on social media we'll put that on our story if you're feeling fluffy wear taco costumes all you see is your arms and legs i'm like my calves look great yeah (laughs) they look so slim i can just eat all the tacos i want you won't know this taco costume (laughs) so good times first time first time doing some gymnastics in a taco costume it's a good day which (sighs) by the way we're on the rise group at on in on Instagram, in case you're go wondering, follow us. go follow us. Yes, yeah, because this you know podcast is brought to you by On the Rise Group. Yep. So that's it's a good group. Yeah, it's a good. That's <laughs> our group. That is our group. On the Rise. Oh God. Let's talk about minimizing language. Okay, but first, oh, I had this idea right before okay, we started. Perfect. So, in a couple of recent episodes only, 
Becky has started letting her dog Asher stay in the room while we podcast. And he's he's real chill, surprisingly. <laughs> but every once in a while, when I'm going back and editing the podcast, I'm like, oh, you can hear him. There he is. What's he doing? Just like, yeah, grumbles. <laughs> or, or he shakes his head and, you know, his collar jingles oh, yes. or whatever. So yeah. I think that our listeners, if you are a real good listener Ooh. and you hear Asher, you should message us the timestamp that you hear him <gasps> and we will give you a prize. I love it. All right. Now we got to like make him move if he doesn't move at all during this. <laughs> This is his natural habitat, well, by the way. Just my in, office. In general, like in the future. Okay, not perfect. In all future episodes. It. Okay. And I will go back and make sure that you are correct that it is indeed Asher and not me just falling off my chair. Yes. And, <laughs> and then if you are correct, we will give you a prize. P.S. I did not name my dog after Ash. <laughs> Someone asked that, actually. Yeah. And it was, we never that made that week, connection. Yeah. No. I've never even thought of that. I mean, I have thought about it because every once in a while when you call him, I'm like, I'm right here. Oh, <laughs> that's epic. I did not, that didn't even dawn on me until Tiffany was here. However, maybe it was just like, it was symbolic. Yeah. It's like someday you'll be someday. friends with an Asher minus the ER. <laughs> Ash. It happened. Here we are. Anyway, let's talk about minimizing <laughs> language. <laughs> let's do that. All right. So we're going to, I'll give you the outline here. We're going to talk, we're going to define minimizing language. Great. Becky kind of did that in our intro, but we'll just, we'll dig into it a little bit. And then we'll talk about why we do it because the motivation is important to understand. We'll talk about what is the result. So what happens when we use minimizing language and then what do we do about it? And under that category, there are two steps, awareness and action. Boom, boom. Ba -ba -da -da. Okay, so minimizing language. What is it? Becky kind of talked about it already, but it's words or phrases that imply uncertainty or lack of confidence. I'm sure you could draw that out in, in many different directions and add ideas onto that, but that's the basic concept. And I feel like this is the place for us to put the big caveat, which is there is always a place to be uncertain, there's always a place to lack confidence and be honest about that. Yeah. However, we are talking about places or situations in which you want to project confidence. It's helpful to project confidence and honesty and courage and certainty, often in the workplace, mm -hmm. sometimes family situations. So we're talking about when you don't want to be seen as smaller or less certain than you are and you use language that still somehow makes you seem smaller and more uncertain than you are I, i'm so glad that you set that foundation because that is so important and i examples that i think of in the workplace especially when it comes to like trainings or virtual like how do we do this there are some i mean that's what i've been doing for two years <clears throat> and i'm there's a lot of people out there who are great at that there's also a lot of people who aren't so great at that. And you can be really confident, but depending on the audience, there are some times in, at the workplace where I'm like, ooh, this person's ranked way above me. Mm -hmm. I'm very confident we should not do a five-hour Zoom call. However, the way I, I pitch that, because I feel like I'm less than them, and this is all you know, the subconscious, right? I'll be like, well, I feel like maybe people might, 
not want to sit for five hours behind a camera. And people are in different time zones. Yeah. Yeah. So so to Asha's point, there are times when you are uncertain. Man, CrossFit gym. Hmm. Do, should I do this weight? I yeah. really don't know. So it's it's okay to use that language sometimes, but there are other times where we we are very confident but downplay ourselves because for me personally, it's usually the authority mm-hmm. and like they're ranked way higher than me. Yep. I don't want them to think I'm like some little know-it-all jerk yeah. that's telling them we have to do this, but yeah. there's still a way to communicate it without being a jerk or a know-it-all and being confident. Yeah. And we'll dive into that. Yeah. And you just used some great examples, but other examples would be kind of uh, or kind of. Um, my lead pastor says kind of in his sermons all the time. And I think, I don't think it's purposeful. Like, I don't think yeah. he's trying to soften what he has to say. I think he, it's just automatic. It just comes out of his mouth. Mm-hmm. And sometimes those are filler words. We talked about this the other day. Yeah. Um, they're filler words that you don't, you're not even trying to minimize yourself. You're just... You're thinking. You're just processing, yes. and those things come out. Um, a little bit. I'm feeling a little bit uncertain. I'm feeling a little bit angry or frustrated. Are you feeling a little bit frustrated, or are you just feeling frustrated? Yep. Let's let's be honest here. Let's talk about it. Um, my... I can't remember where I, where I put this in the notes, but um, my uncle Timothy came to visit... Well, I was visiting my parents. It was maybe two or three years ago, before the pandemic. And he was a a store manager at Kohl's for like 30 years or something. And he had gone through apparently a lot of different leadership trainings and things. And he he was talking to me one time. And he pointed out that I say, does that make sense after I say something? And he said, did you know that a lot of women tend to ask if something makes sense at the end because you want verbal buy-in to make sure that people did understand you and you feel confident once people said they understood you. And I was like, no, I didn't. <laughs> and he said, well, you do it a lot. <laughs> like, okay, Uncle, Uncle T, thanks. Right. <laughs> Giving some feedback. Yeah, it was funny. I mean, I just hadn't thought about it. But yeah, yeah I tend to ask, does that make sense? Are you, are you on board with yeah. me? And that's both out of my own lack of confidence, but also trying to come across as like, oh, am I? I don't know. Are you on board? Yeah. So those are some examples. Uh, I was hopeful that we could come up with some examples that we each use. And you did one earlier when we were setting up for this podcast, and now (gasps) I can't remember it. But there is one that you say a lot. Yes. Which is... uh, I, I know what I say a lot because just go ahead. I have caught myself so many times now saying I feel like. Yes. I say that a ton and now it sticks out like a sore thumb and I'm like, wow, how often do I say this? The awareness has started to be there for me. Yeah. However, the action of eliminating it, yes. not so much. Yes. It's so it's hard when you've been doing it for a long time. Yeah. So for me, that's that's my number one that I've heard is I feel like. Yes. I do at times say the, you know what I mean, at the mm-hmm. end. So similar to what you were talking about. Yeah. The other one that you use frequently is like a preamble to whatever you're going to say, which automatically dismisses what you're going to say already. Mm-hmm. So the um, it might sound silly, but this is what I do. Mm-hmm. Yes. So you're dismissing the validity of what you're about to say before you've even said it. 
which is yeah. unfortunate because you have great things to say. I try. Great things. <laughs> I try. I do. That is not minimizing. <laughs> uh, I, I, uh, Ash already gave one of hers. I only heard you say, I feel like the other day in the gym because I am aware of that from, with myself. It, yeah. And I haven't, there's nothing else that I pulled out listening to you. I'd have to like go back and listen to podcasts and see. I do. See what's there. I also, because I've been thinking about this this week, I do say, I don't know or I don't know at, at the beginning of a phrase. It's kind of the same oh. as your dismissing. I'm like, mm-hmm. I don't know. I think this. Oh, yeah. And it's That's sort of my example. way of saying, I'm not 100% confident in this, mm-hmm. but here it is. <laughs> yeah. Which I could just say, I'm not 100% confident, mm-hmm. but this is what I think. Yep. Instead of, I don't know. This week. Yeah. You you obviously, you've got a couple phrases. Yes. Have you eliminated them? What is what is what does that look like for you? Or is no. it more just like noticing it? So far it's just been noticing. Yes. Me too. Yeah. And even in preparation for this podcast, we were talking about it and my roommate noticed I told my roommate she also does that. She says, mm-hmm. I don't know. And she I came downstairs this morning and she was had just gotten off a call and she was like I just said I don't know four times in one conversation. Oh, <laughs> like yep, that's. She's welcome. like, curse you, <laughs> yeah. curse you for telling me this. <laughs> oh, we could do a whole other podcast on filler words. We Ash, could. Ash knows I got. I can go on a soapbox with that one, and then it really annoys you when you're like, I just said the word literally this many times. What? <laughs> yes, literally is yep. a filler word. Okay, so that's what minimizing language is. Hopefully, you understand mm-hmm. that it's it's kind of. And I see I just did it. It's kind of wow. Oh, <laughs> it is reducing the validity and certainty of what you're going to say. And like we said, there are a variety of reasons why we do it for Becky. She said about authority and not coming off as disrespectful. So let's talk about the other reasons why we do it. Primarily, we want to soften our language so that others are not offended mm-hmm. or don't have grounds to disagree. So if I say it's kind of this. Someone can't say, well, no, it's not that. I'm like, I can say, well, it. I just said it was kind of that, uh, not yeah. 100% that. It's like a fallback. Yes. Mm. Uh, so that's one of the reasons. And I think we also, now I can't unhear it. It's, wow, this is this is a rough episode that oh! we're doing here. This is, this is real life. Kind of, yeah. <laughs> Welcome to our live... <laughs> <laughs> Our real-time learning. Just, yes. Ooh, okay. It is more common in women <laughs> than in men Yeah. using minimizing language. And I do think that's because we've grown more accustomed to not being heard or not wanting to offend, mm-hmm. especially in the workplace. But it, it, it does, men use minimizing language as well. So men, you're not off the hook. Just keep mm-hmm. that in mind. That's, that's where all this came up for me. We were talking about doing a women in leadership mm-hmm. program. Mm-hmm. And we have multiple like mentor groups for women. And someone mentioned to me about me using minimizing language. And then I was like, oh, we need to talk about this at yeah. this women in leadership program because yeah. I am probably not the only one. I think this is, I think, oh my God, <laughs> this is very terrible. common. Yeah. And so to your point, it, it's, it's sad, but oftentimes in that workplace, there are certain women who are like, wow, they're rough around the edges or oof, <laughs> they're direct. However, the the men on that leadership team, we don't always 
say that about them. However, Mm -hmm. you look at it and you're like, wow, they're actually doing the same approach. Those women just seem very confident. And depending on your culture, we've been, I know I'm this way growing up in Kansas. Like I feel like very polite, very sweet. Like as a female, you Mm -hmm. you don't want to hurt anyone's feelings. And not that we want to hurt people's feelings by not using minimizing language, but it does tend to make you seem less confident or yeah. dismissive of your your knowledge and your competence. Yes. Like there are some very competent women that don't need to say, I think, before yeah. they say their recommendation. Yes. I've discovered, especially at in certain cultures, certain team cultures, that it does come across as disrespectful mm. to just state what you think without making um, minimizing it slightly, mm-hmm. which is fascinating to me. And maybe we could do some sort of podcast in the future of, okay, what does it mean on your team if minimizing language is normal, is yeah. the norm? Um, but that's 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 neither here nor there today. <laughs> yes, and that I mean that goes into a whole nother complex approach. How I mean, we could do a totally separate podcast on. How do you make a proposal confidently, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. It's not necessarily, I'm not telling you to go walk into a room and say, we need to delete this and we need to change this. No, you can walk into a room and say, who is struggling with this problem? Right. All right, everyone raised their hands. Yes. <laughs> who has tried this new tech, this new software? Yeah. No one has. Okay, I've tried it and here's what, here's how it helped us get rid of this issue. Yeah. So like there's ways to do it where it still feels like a group a group thing and it's not just you're a jerk coming in and telling us what to do, but that's like a whole nother podcast, whole nother approach to (laughs) really the business acumen of having those conversations. Yeah. But to your point, some, some cultures, team cultures, everyone uses it Mm -hmm. and it might be shocking at first for you to stop. I was going to talk about this in the action portion, but it fits here is yeah, you, you don't get a pass from being kind. You don't Mm -hmm. get a pass from being polite but there's a difference between honesty and being a jerk. Yeah. Now, yes, some team cultures could interpret you being honest as you being a jerk, but there are still ways, like Becky just said, to interpret or to combine communication skills mm-hmm. with reducing your minimizing language so that you're not coming across, across as <laughs> lacking confidence or not wanting to speak up, but you're still bringing everyone in on the project together. Yeah. There is a way to do both. We're yep. not going to cover that way today. We're going to leave you in suspense. <laughs> yes. Actually, we'll maybe we'll do a follow-up. Yeah, we might need to. Yeah. We'll come back to that. Good. Yeah. Okay. So, Becky's just jumping all over my outline Sorry. Today. Oops. <laughs> it's fine. Ash, all good. before this, full transparency, tra- Ash goes, do you want to look at the outline? I go, no, let's just go. <laughs> it's great. So, I'm, I'm messing with her. It's all good. <laughs> Okay, so what happens when you use minimizing language? We just talked about this a little bit, but the main outcome is that we make ourselves seem small, insignificant, uncertain, or powerless. That's what we do when we basically underline what we say and say, I don't know about this. Mm-hmm. Maybe. It's sort like of. an asterisk. Yeah. yeah. Yes, exactly. Uh, I keep thinking of the, the phrase, if you don't stand for something, you'll fall for anything. And I would rather be certain or... I would rather people be certain about what I think, even if what I think is that I don't know. Mm-hmm. I would rather people be confident in where I stand than someone be like, uh, uh, does she think this? I'm not 
I'm not really sure. I'm not sure because she hasn't 100% said it. Mm-hmm. I want people to understand what I think and what I believe on important matters. There are a heck of a lot of unimportant matters on which I don't care if you know what I think or what I believe. I don't like the show The Office. A lot of people think I'm crazy. I don't talk about it because I don't feel like defending myself. That's not an important matter. (laughs) But if we're talking about should we, um, one of our topics right now at work is are we adding, we're doing a rebrand, we're adding new signage. I know this sounds like I'm going out way off on a tangent. I'm not, I promise. Um, We're doing new signage. The discussion is are we including Braille on our signage even though we have no visually impaired people or we have one visually impaired person right now? Are we including Braille? And I feel that we should, and I want people to understand how I feel about it. Now, whatever we decide, I'm going to go along with, Mm -hmm. but that I want people to understand clearly that I am not uncertain. I am not minimizing myself. I, having done some research, believe that this is a good idea. And so, yeah, I I think it's, uh, what am I trying to say? (laughs) Now that I'm thinking about my minimizing language, I'm having trouble <laughs> communicating full thoughts. <laughs> You're welcome, guys. Hardest podcast this is, ever. It's a good time. <laughs> Basically, what I'm saying is I want people to understand where I'm coming from. Mm-hmm. And the best way to do that is communicate clearly, kindly, politely, courageously. I think Tiffany's episode last week was a, an amazing example of communicating honestly and courageously but she also wasn't a jerk. Yeah. You know? She yeah. she said where she's been. She told her story. She didn't she didn't make it easier than it was, but mm-hmm. she also was very clear and very kind in what she talked about. And it was inspiring to me. Yes. It was yeah, that was one of my favorite ones we've done in a while too. Yeah. Go back and listen if you haven't. Go back and listen. Yes. And then the last point here on what happens is that we don't inspire confidence and trust, especially in the workplace. So especially those of you who are leading or leading projects, or as we've talked about before, basically everyone in the workplace is a leader of some Mm -hmm. kind. You want to inspire confidence and trust in your leadership. That does not mean you don't say you don't know. It just means you don't strike through the things that you're saying before you've even said them. Mm Mm-hmm. One of the things we talk about in a training I do, and I know we've done communications tips on some of our podcasts, the power of pause, Hmm. especially as you become aware of minimizing language, just be confident to pause before you speak and think, how do I want to structure or start this next statement I'm going to make? And that pause can make a big difference. So just know that you don't, and I, this is hard for me. Whew, I'm an extrovert. I just, I, Ash knows this. I verbally process. So it's really hard for me to think sometimes in a meeting when people ask me a question, sometimes I, I could just verbally process and say a ton of minimizing things. I have to consciously be like, just pause. They asked you a question. You are allowed to think about you this. think about it. You don't think have about to know how you want to respond. Yeah. Yes. So the power of pause, that's your friend. So just remember that. Yes. What you told me once, and you might have even said it on a podcast, that when you speak, you try to pause. Is it five seconds? Three. Three seconds. But it's like it's like Mississippi. Yes. Yeah. I actually, we just did communications training this week with our emerging leaders at Alenco. And we, I give examples and we do, yeah. do practice. And every great, if you watch a great public speaker, 
they, they should, they probably do. At some point in that talk, they're going to have a powerful three second pause. Yeah. And that's when you get goosebumps. That's when you get that sucker punch in your stomach. Like, Ooh, that's really hitting me. Yeah. Pause is so powerful. And not only in a speech, but in a meeting too. In conversation. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Okay. So that's what happens. Let's move to awareness and then action. So awareness. I mean, the first one is kind of obvious. Pay attention to what you say. That is challenging. So maybe Mm -hmm. just do it for a few minutes at a time. Mm -hmm. I mean, this episode has been a great (laughs) example of us paying attention to what we say. (laughs) It's been unpleasant and I would like to stop. (laughs) But maybe just set your timer for 10 minutes and try to pay attention to everything you say in a meeting or in at work or at home, whatever. And catch yourself. See, see what you say. So that's number one. Number two, when you find yourself using minimizing language, write it down because it's really easy. I mean, even I did this. <laughs> Becky said something right before we started and I was like, Ooh, I'm going to call her out on that. And then it was, it's gone. <laughs> so it's not helpful if you, if you're aware of it, but then you can't remember what it is. <laughs> Uh, Notice what minimizing language the people around you use. This is number three, because remember, you become like the five people you spend the most time with. Five people, right? Is that, I think it's It's five. It's either five or seven. I can't remember. You become the people you spend the most time around. (laughs) It's five. We're going to go with five. (laughs) So I could tell that because I, maybe not even because, but I say I don't know a lot in conversation as a filler and buying myself time and making sure I'm not coming across too strong. I know that my roommate does it too, so Ben pointed it out. So is did it come from one of us or the other one? Who knows? But you can sometimes tell what you say based on the people around you because we do pick up on each other's language. And then, yeah, ask yourself, do I say that? <laughs> Number four, ask your, your friends kindly to point out when you use minimizing language. Well, ask them kindly, but ask them also to point it out kindly. So they're not like, you idiot, you keep saying this. Yeah, this is this is probably the most helpful one for me. However, it is the one that can sting the yes. most. And you're like, dang it. Oh, oh. Tristan, Tristan is the one that first told me, I say, oh, he's someone who recognized, I say, I feel like, mm-hmm. and he notices it and he'll call me out and like, ah, and then I, it's really helped me be aware though. Mm -hmm. So it is super helpful because it's like filler words. You say, so like now, literally, and you don't even know you say it. Yep. It's for some of us, minimizing language is just ingrained in the way we talk. Yeah. So those are the four awareness steps. Pay attention, write them down, notice what minimizing language people around you use, and then ask your friends, your family, coworkers, you, yeah, it would be really brave if you ask your coworkers. That would be fun. Yeah. I don't know what my coworkers would That would be would good say. for your team culture probably. Yeah, it would be interesting. Yeah. Because then you, it's a more shared concept mm-hmm. as opposed to, oh, hi, I'm working on this thing. Yeah. And it's my problem. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Great idea. Okay, action. Now we know. What do we do about it? This is where Ash and I are. <laughs> this is where we are. We know we are failing. We are struggling. <laughs> what next? <laughs> I think the first major thing, yes, I just did it again. The first major thing that I think of is what I was trying to say, is ask yourself why you need those fillers. And I think in each situation, it can be different because at work, 
I might be trying to avoid sounding disrespectful, sounding abrasive, hostile. In a friend situation, I might be trying not to hurt their feelings. It can be different based on your situation. So your particular motivation behind using a term or a phrase can help you learn what you need to do in order to minimize the minimizing language, to eliminate it. So one option is to eliminate it entirely. It probably would be good for me to stop saying I feel just I think I'm going to have to as well. Just yeah. eliminate it altogether because it's not that helpful because usually when I say I feel, I'm actually describing what I think. Yes, not me too. Not what I feel. Mm-hmm. So that's an option, eliminate it entirely. Next option, moderate your use. I mean, there are times when saying I feel is okay and in casual conversation, probably not a big deal. Do I want to say it at work? Mm, no. Not really. So moderate your use. Next option is replace it with something that communicates what you're actually feeling and trying to get across. I can't even think of an example of this because I'm not good at it yet. Uh, Well, I did say, instead of saying, I don't know, mm -hmm. I could say, I'm not 100% confident on this. Yeah, that was a good example. And I would like to reserve the right to go back on it. But this is what I think right now. Mm-hmm. And it comes across as less wishy-washy and less uncertain than, I don't know, well, here's what I think. Mm-hmm. So that's an option. You can replace it. And then figure out why you're doing it and say, am, am I trying not to offend? Do I not feel confident? Figure out what the feeling is behind it. I'm trying not to be misunderstood. And then ask yourself, do I want to continue to come across that way? And am I communicating what I want to communicate? So I could be in a work situation and say, I'm softening my language because I don't want to be considered disrespectful or aggressive. And then I get to think about, (laughs) is that what's actually come across? Are people hearing me as not being disrespectful and not being aggressive? Or are they hearing me as uncertain, not confident? Mm -hmm. And how do I want to actually come across? And is there a way, like Becky said, to kind of do both and say, I can communicate clearly and honestly and courageously without minimizing myself, but also come across the way I want to, which is without disrespect, without aggression. Hmm. I don't know what that way is yet. Yes. I was, you're just making me think a lot specifically about the workplace. That's a place where I know personally, I don't, want to offend. I don't want to hurt people's feelings. Mm-hmm. I've got authority to figure out and like respect for authority. There are teams and I do it so well. And it goes back to your team culture. They can say confidently, here's my recommendation. Here's my opinion. Here's why. And someone can disagree with them. And you have this great dialogue because there's such a respect. Mm-hmm. And then the other person who confidently made a proposal could change their mind yeah. or say, oh my gosh, Let's take this piece of yours and my, this piece of mine and put them together. And a lot of this, I know you mentioned like asking a coworker for accountability. If this is something that you do a lot in the workplace, talking about it as a team could be the most, one of the most helpful actions you can take mm-hmm. because then you can confidently come in more with your language, but knowing that, okay, everyone, like we're trying to get rid of this minimizing language. I'm going to confidently share with you what I think. And, and my proposals and recommendations, and we can disagree. We can disagree. That's a good thing. Yeah. We can have dialogue about that. Yeah. And if I disagree with your proposal, 
let's talk about it. And it's not that I don't like Ash. Cause, cause that's something I, I remember there was a situation, it's like 2016 and there was someone on a team with me and I didn't agree with the pitch she was making to approach a certain project. And it really hurt her feelings. I didn't find out until after the meeting. Mm-hmm. And I was just like, Oh, well, I didn't think that was the best route. And here's, here's the other route. And you didn't say anything else. That team, we didn't have the trust built to have that conflict and disagree. And that's why it caused, then I felt like I was walking on eggshells after that. Mm -hmm. I'm sure I used so much minimizing language after Mm -hmm. that because I was so afraid I'd hurt her feelings if I disagreed with her. So those are just, once again, this is a great thing to do individually. There's so much power bringing this to your group, whether it's friends or your team members, Mm -hmm. disagreeing and conflict is a good thing. And it's, it's about the betterment of the mission. Yeah. It's not like about, I don't like this person on my team. Yeah. Yeah. I went point. on another soapbox. No, I, I loved it. It was a great soapbox. <laughs> Very beautiful. Okay. So that's, that's the first step of action is ask yourself why you're using that particular phrase. And then what do you need to do about that? Is it accomplishing what you want to communicate? If so, then leave it. If it's not, then do you want to need to eliminate it? Do you need to moder- moderate your use? Do you need to replace it? So assessing your motivation and then figuring it out from there. One key thing that this made me think of uh, in memory, the concept of human memory and how it works, if you want to change a habit or you want to remember something that you consistently don't remember, you go back to the beginning and try again. So it sounds kind of absurd, but it works. If you... Let's say, mm, let's say you want to remember to turn the kitchen lights off before you leave the house. You leave the house, you get into your car, you're like, oh, I have not, I didn't turn off the kitchen lights. So you don't just go in and turn off the lights and then go back out to your car. You go in, you start the whole process over again. So back up a few steps to take, take off your coat, put your shoes off, take your shoes off, put your coat back on put your shoes back on, turn out the kitchen lights and go out to your car. It takes longer, but it's actually going to change because next time you put your shoes on, you'll think, what's the next step? It's turning out the lights. That's beautiful. Rewiring your brain. Rewiring your brain. So if you're going to struggle with minimizing language, as we clearly do, (laughs) backing up to the sentence before and starting again is helpful. Because then you get more in the habit of understanding where in the flow of communication you use minimizing language and how to eliminate it or replace it or moderate it. That's just, that's kind of a side tip. It's a beautiful tactic. human memory tip. Just try it. Mm. In which case, you probably do want to tell your friends and your family that that's what you're practicing because otherwise they'll be like, why are you repeating yourself (laughs) and just changing one word? Yeah. Oh no, what's wrong with her? (laughs) Okay, so go back to the beginning and try again. And then the last one, which we have been 100% in not doing today, is encourage yourself when you make progress, even if it's small. So if you notice it, even if you haven't fixed it yet, if you notice it, that's a win. You're doing great. Good job, Ash. (laughs) Thank you, Becky. (laughs) (laughs) We've had a lot of awareness examples on this podcast. Yes, we have. Yes. It's been uncomfortable. <laughs> but it's good for us. And it we're is. making progress by noticing and mm-hmm. 
noticing is the first step to doing something about it. So encourage yourself. Now, in closing, I would like to know from our listeners, from our box breakers, what do you say? What minimizing language do you use? What do you hear others say that you hate? We now know that Becky hates literally. That's a filler word. That's but a filler yes. word. But yes, <laughs> we want to hear from you. Message us. It would be, be fun just to know what you think. Yes. Send us, a, send us a DM. Yeah. Thank you for joining us for this fun and wild podcast <laughs> all about language and lots of in the moment learning yes. with us. <laughs> we can't wait to talk to you next time. Thanks for joining us. Bye-bye. Bye bye. Bye.